Hello and welcome to another episode of the Team Alternative Podcast. Today we're talking movies. We're talking The French Dispatch, which came out this past week that we went and saw. Another late night screening, but that's okay. Uh, talking points, obviously, before we get to the spoilerific review after the point of no return. This movie is obviously known right off the bat for its casting, even if you haven't seen it yet. Um, you had... Uh, Benin- yeah. yeah, I got Go it. Ahead. Yeah, so I, I've been raving about this cast for forever. So it's got Timothy Chalamet, Tilda Swinton, Bill Murray, Adrian Brody, Benicio Del Toro, Francis McDormand, Owen Wilson, Jeffrey Wright, um, who else? Willem Dafoe, Edward Norton, Christoph Waltz, Henry Wrinkler, and more. It's completely ridiculous the sheer number of names you can immediately recognize on this film did you did you do benicio del toro i did what about leah sado i did not okay yeah her as well on uh, but and then there's probably more that i missed because again it's absolutely stacked beyond belief and i think the most impressive thing for me about this movie is despite this incredible cast the biggest take the my description of this movie is it's a Wes Anderson film. The director still outshines all the talent because of the unique way that he loves to he directs the film. And if anyone who's seen the Grand Budapest Hotel, I think is the most recent big uh release that he's had that kind of got like a whole lot of attention. Uh you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And he does he directs it a very similar way, and it was extremely enjoyable. There is no way this is gonna go wrong. And, but yeah, I think that's the most impressive part is how I'm defining this movie by its director, despite having the, one of the most insane cast ever assembled. No, is this was this your first? No. Uh, oh, what was your first um, film of his? Um, a Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, which was fantastic. Also, if you haven't not seen that, you should. It's the, I think it's the one I haven't seen. That's very unfortunate. Yeah. But I mean, like, I saw Isle of Dogs, and no one talks about the Isle of Dogs. Nope. I thought Isle of Dogs was great. I did not see it. It's an Isle of Dogs. No shit? Yeah, it's an island full of dogs. That's very misleading. I think they should change the name of it. <laughs> it's actually very not misleading, and it also has a great cast. But anyway. I'll have to watch that, too. Yeah, so this definitely was known for its cast. It's definitely a Wes Anderson film in that it follows his typical... Uh, framing and centering on the actors and you know the set everything's kind of colorful and his characters are uh, would you say like eccentric I don't know like very, I, don't, I don't know there's a word out there for it colorful in the black yeah it's all the black and white yeah um I don't know, but yeah, it's it, it's like I said, it's your typical Wes Anderson film. It's entertaining, it's telling a story, told um, multiple stories. Yeah, told multiple stories. It was fantastic. I I loved it. I'm trying to think. I'm drawing a blank on. I had a talking point lined up when we saw it. Uh, well, it's like. It's an interesting story in that it, it follows different parts of this magazine. Yeah. 
So it follows like different writers and stuff and the beginning part kind of introduces them without really introducing them, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. And it's it's got that kind of Wes Anderson humor, that kind of goofy or quick wit or whatnot. Yeah, which it, it kind of just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, there was a plant there's plenty of parts that we'll talk in the the spoilerific review which I guess we could do now. Yeah, that's that's fine. Cut it off. Okay, there. so after this, turn us off. This is the point of no return. I think everyone's got it by now. Don't listen to us if you don't want it ruined. Uh, it to touch on what I said earlier, the Wes Anderson humor is like when I say quick wit, I mean like the humor kind of comes out of nowhere and it's like really quick, kind of like that one part where that guy, that kid comes in, he says, five minutes to press. And Bill Murray goes, you're fired. And the guy goes, what, really? And he starts, like, crying, and he goes, no, no crying. crying. <laughs> and then it shows a sign right above him that yeah. has no crying. Um, and then it becomes a thing later in the, you know, at the end, unfortunately, when Bill Murray's character passes away, and they're all together, all the writers of this magazine are together, and they're all, like talking one of them starts crying yeah and people go no, no crying no crying so put this on because the sign's still there but no I, I do love because it's almost like one-liners that come in like they have this back and they have i mean again, again the writing is so well done the back the dialogue back and forth between the characters is is what shines the most and then at the end of it there's this one one quick line out of nowhere that's just pure comedy and you're just not expecting it and then that's what makes it so goddamn funny they, uh, they had that literally throughout the entire film and um i'm trying to remember there was one thing there was one it was it was in the first story with adrian brody and uh benicio del toro which i thought was yes i, I think that was my favorite favorite story of the three that they told yeah the whole um benicio del toro plays a, a like a murderer who's like an artist yeah in prison and it follows like his a little bit of his background and then like his art and stuff like that. And his muse is played by Leah Sado. And it's kind of funny because he draw, he make, he paints this painting and like she's the muse. She's, you know, she's the, the subject of this painting, but it's like an abstract painting. Yeah. So, you, so to most people, we are going to look at it and be just like, what the fuck am I looking at? Then Adrian Brody comes in and is just like, you don't see the woman? <laughs> Yeah, and then what's funny is Brody sees it, or he sees it at a, like, a prisoner gallery. Yeah, he was just kind of wandering in there, just looking at all, at all the shit, and then it just yeah. catches his eye. And it catches his eye, and then he bribes this guard with, like, chocolate, who, <laughs> funny enough, I don't know if Brian saw this, but the guard was the... Farmer from the Inglorious Bastards that's hiding Shoshana. No, I didn't. I know I that, do that sometimes. Yo, you do that all the time. You yeah, you always see the small characters that I always miss. Yeah. So anyway, uh, he gets he gets the guy chocolate to get into a meeting with Benicio del Toro's character. And they start talking, and then I, I always love this part from the trailer, and it was even better um, in person. Was the um, Adrian Brody's like the. The woman, the woman, I forget what the painting was called. It was something, the woman in something or whatever. 
And he's like, I want to buy the painting. And he goes, it's not for sale. And they go back and forth and yeah. repeat themselves. And they're like, I want to buy it. And it's not for sale. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. <laughs> and it's just like really funny. And I think they, Brody says like one thing. And then uh, Benicio Del Toro goes, oh, no, he throws out like a random huge number. Like, oh, I'll give you 200,000 francs. Yeah. And Benicio Del Toro's like, I'll take 50 cigarettes. Make that 72. And then... I think it was the other way around. I think he actually wanted the cigarettes first. And then he's like, I'll give you 200,000 francs. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then he and then he goes... Uh, every time he's like, no, I'll take the 50 cigarettes. I mean 72. And he's like, no. <laughs> and then he fucking feeds her a chocolate through the door. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like... It, the whole thing's funny. And then he like... His master painting that he's doing is on the walls of this prison and Brody like loses it. And the funny part is, and I wasn't expecting this was there's like a prisoner breakout. Yeah. And he walks into the, like this corridor from the, where the paintings are and then looks and <laughs> there's prisoners with like weapons standing there yeah, staring at him. They're all ready to break out. And then Brody turn. Uh, turns his head to the you know the people at this like dinner party gallery type deal, and he goes, "Prisoners escape. What do I do?" And then they're like, "Close the door." And he closes the door, and like the second he closes the door, they just bust through the they wall. They bust through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and because <laughs> yeah, you expect them to break through the door, yeah. And then instead, no, the whole fucking wall to the side of them breaks down instead. Yeah. So that that was pretty crazy. And that was immediately after. Benicio Del Toro's chasing him in a wheelchair. Yeah, and he, they're, like, throwing... He's, like... Brody's, like, throwing things behind him. What does he say to set him off again? Oh, he says something about, like... He insulted him because of the... because he was The paintings on the, the wall, painting. yeah. And he says something, like... plastered on the wall. You're a... You're a psychotic, stupid... Uh, murdering son of a bitch. Murdering son of a bitch that, or whatever. Along that line, yeah. And, he and then it. every time... You kind of get this... Uh, backstory of any time Benicio Del Toro's character is about to lose it, he growls. Oh, yeah. So he starts growling. Goes, <laughs> Don't, Don't growl. you growl at me. <laughs> and then it's, uh, then the chase starts. And and the quick cut is what makes it funny because he growls and he says, Don't growl at me. And then it's... Then he's chasing him. Yeah. yeah. And then he throws that, uh, like that serving tray behind him and it hits him in the head. And yeah, that was pretty great. And then like the, the stop... Or the freeze frame, which wasn't actually frozen. Um, they showed, like, prisoners fighting the wealthy people. And, like, the old lady that's there that spent a lot of money or something like that to finance this yeah. or something. She has a gun. And she, like, shoots she like shoots it from, like, the hip at a prisoner. It's just, there's just funny parts. It's, it's just all those little things you kind of want to go back. Because it's worth a second watch just to oh, see yeah. all those, all the little things that you miss. Because, again, um, everything, every scene, every single bit of it is there for a reason. And it's uh, it's executed perfectly. It must, I'm just envisioning, like, trying to actually be on the set of that. It must be a huge pain in the ass to, to film that way. Where it's just constant cuts here and there. And, um... Yeah, he probably yeah. It probably takes a good while, and then not only that, but it's like setting up the scene and everything has got to be a nightmare. Yeah, especially if they have to redo it, and like something oh, yeah, is knocked over. Or... 
continuity director or whatever they call it now probably has a field day on that set i can only imagine it's crazy still did a fantastic job with that and uh what was this was the second one that was uh timothy chalamet and yeah Chris mcdormand next it was it was yeah so um Kremitz, the writer for the magazine is because you find okay so the writer for the first story was tilda swinton's character who i don't remember what her name was I don't. I don't remember the characters' names. And then the second act. <laughs> oh, we didn't even talk about the Tilda Swinton part. That was pretty funny. Oh yeah, well, she, she starts showing like a. She set, sets up the slideshow, and then there's one part of her like topless. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh, that's me." She goes, "Oh, that one's me." And then it, like she stands there and then switches. Like there's a good ten seconds yeah. before she actually changes <laughs> it. And then what's funny is she talks about this one part. One point. I don't remember who she was talking about exactly, but she's, like, going on this tangent about, like, somebody trying to fuck her. She was like, he, he, he tried to uh, corner me in a, like, custodial back room and fuck me or something like that. And, like, everybody's like, oh, what? <laughs> she's, like, she's going off right now. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, the second story was, her name was something Kremitz, played by Frances McDormand. And uh, Timothy Chalamet is in this part, and so is Christoph Waltz. And I forget who else. I think that was the main. That was like the main couple people. I yeah, guess. everyone else I'm thinking of was in the third act. Yeah, so so it follows like this kid who's trying to get the school to reverse the rules on boys being allowed in the women's dormitories. And then, like, it turns into this whole, like, rebellion-type story. And then Timothy Chalamet and Francis McDormand have this weird, like, romantic relationship-type of deal. Yeah, that was kind of... Uh, I wasn't really sure where exactly that was going. But yeah, it was, I think it was just done for... It was just funny. It was just funny. Yeah. Because, like, the banter between them when they're in bed, and he's like, Wait, you, re you rewrote my manifesto? And she goes, yeah, but I wrote it from your perspective, so it's fine. And he goes, you can't do that. Not the, not the first manifesto I proofread or anything. <laughs> yeah, uh, so it fall, So it's, it's pretty funny. And then there wasn't too much in that one besides, like, the, oh, why am I crying? And it's they get up, and it's like she gets in the bathroom, wipes away the tears or whatever, and that's where Timothy Chalamet is in the shower. Yeah, because yeah, there was tear gas or, yeah, or something. And he goes, why are you crying? And she goes, it's the mustard gas. Or the tear gas or something like that. <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe I'm sad. <laughs> and so, yeah, there was nothing to write home about that one. It was just, it was interesting. It was funny. But there was nothing terribly that stood out besides maybe Christoph Waltz. Yeah, I, I like I like the first and third stories a lot more. Oh, well, the first story we actually messed up. The first story was actually Owen Wilson. They they went by they went by pretty quickly. His that, was true. But, okay, well theirs was it, but his was only like five minutes. Yeah, well, because we, it was only yeah, him talking about the town. Yeah, it was like page numbers and stuff, and his was really short. Yeah, it was and like three, all page three like to four to or something like that. Yeah. So like he was just talking about he go he said something about like oh the uh, this area is ruled by the rodents or the underground rodents, and he goes or the cats that rule the rooftops. And then it shows him, like, feeding cats yeah. on top of, like, roofs. And then he goes, and the whatever quarter is for the elderly. 
And he says something like the fucking old or something like that. And then, and then, and then out of nowhere, because he's got like going through all this and all these statistics, then he's just like, and then about, uh, then two bodies come up every every week or something. Oh yeah, he two starts saying yelling statistics. And he goes, yeah, the uh, two bodies wash up on the blah blah, blah every day. And it shows like this one guy trying to fish a body out of a it's just so waterway. Out of, it's just so out of nowhere. It was it's so like, out of place, but that was why it was like funny. Um, that's just is that just the way the whole movie goes? It's just like serious, 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 out of place, and funny. Yeah, and, it, and it, it's perfect. And then the third story was the. It was the chef. The it was chef. Like, it was about the the chef police cooking the, or yeah, something like the poli- that. The police uh, had the sh- the impressive chef, and then there was the kidnapping. With the kid, and um, yeah, so the story—the story was essentially they're going the whole dude, the fucking chase scene. Oh, I was, lost it. That was goddamn hilarious because it's like it's not—it wasn't live action. It, it was, was animated. It was yeah. animated, and the the best part was the fucking wrestler dude <laughs> jumps on the hood of the car, and then you got the whole animated scene. See, he stops, and the guy flies through a goddamn window. Then they go run down the stairs, do a big circle, get back in the car, and then he jumps out the window and lands on the car again. What's funny is, you got Brian can't emphasize enough the circle that they go in. They oh, go, it was it was so they weird. run, they run out of the car downstairs, then like across like a park, up a giant flight of stairs, but that was only after I think they went through like a sewer. Yeah, something it like that. It was like a yeah. catwalk at a sewer. And the kidnapper's got the kid, like, under, over, his sh- over his shoulder, shoulder the whole time. And he's running, and then they find... What's funny is, this car stops, the wrestler goes through a window of a store parked in front of it. And then that's when they run off. And then when they come back to the car, as soon as Edward Norton's character who kidnapped the kid jumps in the car, the wrestler <laughs> jumps out of the window, <laughs> right back on. onto the hood of the car... And they drive off. And they just got out of the car, ran a circle for no reason, and then just resumed the car chase. And it's that was probably my highlight of you that. Know, now that I think about it, that was my favorite part of the whole movie. The enti- the the whole ch- animated chase scene. And it was animated just out of nowhere for no reason. Yeah, it was, the, the rest of the movie was not like that at all. Yeah, they animated like one or two parts of the earlier part of that same story. Oh my god. But that this one was like a lot longer. So that was funny. But... Um, oh, so we're, uh, I can't get her name right. So we're, Ronan was in it too. I forgot. I can't pronounce it. She played that cabaret dancer. I don't know. He's like, oh, when he's like, oh, do you have blue eyes? And she shows him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, so Ronan. Sorry, Ronan. Myra, she would think I'd get that name. Um... What I've also found funny about it was they find where the kidnappers are and they like talk and then like a giant gunfight breaks out, which I thought was funny. Yeah. And like the cops and stuff have like Tommy guns and are just lighting up this tower where the bad guys are shooting down with like pistols. And I just found that kind of comical. And the, but the, in the, uh, because they were telling this, um, like on a talk show. Yeah, well, so he's Schreiber he's telling Jeffrey Wright's telling the story to leave Schreiber, yeah, who we also missed about this story because he what's funny is he talks about how he's uh he doesn't have a f- photographic memory, he has a typographic memory. Yeah, whatever the 
what like he can remember. He can remember everything, everything that's right. written. Yeah. yeah. Which Shit, I th- I'll take that, I guess. He was, was kind of strange, but whatever. But he's telling this story, and then what's funny is he's telling the story, and then he, he he's talking to Bill Murray's character. Bill Murray is like, "There's only the chef only has two lines of dialogue." Yeah, there's like a third. It's like thirty pages on this story about the chef, and he says one or two lines. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, he goes, well, oh well." Uh, Jeffrey Wright's character goes, "Well, there was more." And it was like after the fact that they when they saved him because he, they do this elaborate thing where. He they poison, the the they send the chef in as like a as a go token of good faith to cook them a food, and because the the kid is there they saw the the kidnapped kid there, and then he poisons the food, and he well he he poisons like the radishes because he knows that the kid is not going to eat the radishes or something. Yeah, but neither does Edward Norton's character. Yeah, which, which causes was led the, to the chase, which led to the, the fucking hilarious chase. Yeah, but as part of it, the chef. Also eats the food and poisons himself. Yeah, and then and then like the the la- last line of dialogue that he gets is like he's going through this explanation of this like, uh yeah I po- you know because he had to poison himself but he goes through this thing like but the poison gave the food a flavor, and he is just like it's not that it's it was great it's like it was just different it's a different flavor, and it's just kind of like some weird ass deep meaning. Yeah, like, it was to, like to a chef. It's like because you know if you're a chef and you're in in a business for decades, there's not a whole lot of foods that you haven't tried before. And then he's like all of a sudden just enamored by this poison that gave it a weird ass flavor. It's like this forbidden fruit for the guy. And he goes, he says something about it being spicy but not spicy or something yeah, like that. It was really weird descriptive <laughs> description of the poison. And Bill Murray's just like, that was a, that's what made the whole story. Yeah, this, he goes, this is the best part. And he's like, why don't you pretend that you write it, wrote it that way? And he said that like a couple times in the movie. He says that to like every single one of the writers. Just pretend like you wrote it that way. Um, and then I think that's that's that the last story. Much, yeah, because in the end was about because it was after he died and um, how they just close it out. But no, honest, it, it was another movie that was like a bunch of different stories in one, and but with one kind of overarching theme between them, and it was. Uh, it, and it keeps it interesting. Like, when you have the movie like that, it makes the pacing really well done. Because it doesn't feel like you're watching one long-ass movie. It seems split up. Yeah. Because there isn't a single repeat character in any of, like, those three main stories that took place. The only thing is, Bill Murray does pop up around occasionally. But it was only the first, and I think that's the third well. I mean, story. like his well because it's like he's the main editor, and they're like yeah. They're so him, when they're talking like, to him, but in the stories, yeah, yeah there's he, no cross. There's no there's, none there's at no all. crossing. So you're getting a lot of good screen time for all of the actors, for the most part. I think Henry Wrinkler didn't even get a line of dialogue though. He got one line. He said, "Is that it?" I, no, he get. He says, "Am I too old to get it?" And oh yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, yes, you are. <laughs> Dude, Adrian Brody killed it. He was hilarious. Oh, yeah. He was hilarious. I haven't. Seen, I don't remember the last thing I've seen him in, but he was hilarious. Probably the last Wes Anderson film, if I'm being honest. Probably on. <laughs> when did Grand Budapest Hotel come out? Oh, you, you didn't even see it. No, but I think it had to have been thirteen, thirteen or fourteen. I, I'm looking up Adrian Brody right now. I guarantee you it was thirteen or fourteen. If I had to guess, it'd be fourteen. Uh, let's see, Adrian Brody, uh, IMDb's website's so annoying. 
Um, oh, he's got something called The Emperor coming out in 2022. Uh, he's done, he's done some TV, uh, TV stuff coming up this year. Clean? I don't know what clean is. There was something called Clean that came out in 2020, and then before, and then the last thing before that was Airstrike, which I did not see. I think that was a straight-to-demand, on-demand movie. Is that, he Bruce, does a, is that Bruce Willis? Yeah, that was a straight-to-demand movie, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and then Bullethead in 2017, if I keep going a little bit for, further down. Holy crap, how long is Grand, Grand Budapest Hotel was 2014? It does not seem... I fucking knew it. Seven years? It does yeah, because Moonrise like Kingdom been, came out in 2012. It does not feel like it's been seven years since that came out. That's crazy. But no, Adrian Brody's uh, film credits are actually kind of uh, split up after that. Some TV yeah, he doesn't do. There, but. He doesn't necessarily do a lot. Anyway, but yeah, he uh, he killed it. It was nice. Oh, to yeah, see, it, was it, was, good. it was nice to see he, him on the big screen. He again. played like I guess you could say the sharpest character. Like he's the one that you walked away and you were like, that was the most prominent character, probably throughout. Yeah, and it was right at the start too. Yeah, him and Benicio del Toro, back and forth was. Was was definitely my favorite back and forth of the entire movie. Yeah, if it wasn't for that car chase st- scene, I think the prison story was the best. Yeah, because at one point too, Benicio del Toro tries to kill himself. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he's he gets, in the chair. He get. What's funny is that what I love about Wes Anderson films is is the framing he does. Characters will oftentimes take barely even a a quarter of the screen. So you had this wide fo- this wide shot of where the the switches to, you know, um, execute people with the, the electric chair. Electric yeah. chair. You had a guard walking down this these spiral stairs and he stops when he sees Benicio del Toro in in the seat, and he's in a seat. Yeah, the yep. sponge is wet. I don't even, like everything you. I don't even think the guard gets all the way on screen. Did he? Did he? Or just barely? He barely. I think it was barely. Yeah. But he stands there, and you know, Benicio Toro's got the sponge wet. He's got the whole setup. He's 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 strapped in and all that, and he goes, "Do it," and you just hear him say like a couple times. He's like, "Just throw a switch." Do it. <laughs> he called him a pussy. He's yeah. like, "Do it, pussy." <laughs> he's like, "Do it, do it, pussy." And then Leah Sado walks in. An opposite on the opposite side of the switch through a door that you can see was broken, you know, because Benicio broke in there, and they had this like dialogue because they were kind of sweet on each other, um, but they don't love, you know, Benicio loves her, but she doesn't love him, yada yada yada, and she starts talking to him, and she's like. Why do you want to kill yourself? And he says, "I can't finish the art." Or He's something like, "I don't know what to. I don't know what to paint." Or and he, something. Yeah, and she. And then they keep talking, and then she go. She basically says, "Like, okay, you want to die?" And then she throws the switch for like <laughs> one second. Uh, one second. <laughs> <laughs> he gets electrocuted. And she, I don't know what else. She says something else before she says something like, "She's like, are we going or what?" Yeah, yeah, and then she, he like smoothly breaks out of this chair like without any effort really yeah because uh, he can't stra- he couldn't stra- really strap himself into it but he gets right. set it up to where he's gonna kill himself but yeah it, it, she lights him up for one quick second he's just like fuck dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's just 
just funny. And like their their back and forth was pretty funny because there was that also that one point where it's like show and tell day or something at prison. Yeah. And or no, it was the art. It was the art day or something. Art art hour or there's something. A, there is a word that we're not that I don't know because I don't go to art gal gallery. Maybe is what they're kind of. That's I think that's even. It's word. just like an art lesson or something like yeah. that they're going through. And then Lisa does like when Benicia walks in, she's like. Sitting at this table, and Benicio walks up to her, and she goes, "Today you're going to be talking to them about uh, your art or something like that." And he goes, "I don't want to." And she's like, "Why?" And he goes, "I don't want to." And she's like, "You're going to do it." He goes, "No, I'm not." And she goes, "You're going to do it," and he does it. And it's just they're back and forth. That hap- that happens to him a lot. <laughs> Everybody keeps talking to him that way, like he's a fucking child. <laughs> um. Oh, yeah, there's that. Oh, God, we keep forgetting about the best parts. He uh, Adrian Brody is showing other arts, of his, other art of his. That that little uh, matchbook burn of uh, a bird. Oh, yeah, like... The- and he shows... Uh, he's another actor that's been in several Wes Anderson films. I forget his name. But he hands it to him to show him, and the guy goes, Can I have this? And he goes, Are you kidding? Of course not. <laughs> and then... Uh, when they try to get him paroled, they were trying to get him paroled or released or, you know, whatever you call it. And the judges are like, uh, you know, what do you think about your sentence or whatever? No, they said, what do you say now about what happened? And he goes, uh, I'm mixing this all up. All I know is (laughs) Benicio's telling him like, you know, I killed them and, uh, self-defense. The and per- then, the, yeah, the first one <laughs> the, is self-defense. The first, no, the, the first one was an, the first guy was an accident. The, the second, second one, one was self-defense. self-defense. <laughs> right. And then they keep talking and then uh, at one point a judge asks something and he's like, do you, what do you have to say about the people that you killed or whatever? And he says, if I'm being honest, they had it coming. <laughs> and then Brody's like, no, 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 no. And he gets, and he stands up and goes, can I, can I say something? The judge is like, absolutely not. And he continues to he talk just, without He jumps over beat. the bench anyway. He jumps the bench and starts talking anyway. And, oh, that was funny. Uh, overall. No, I have, I have no complaints about the movie. It was. I really got to rewatch it because I really loved it. Yeah, I, I, I love Wes Anderson films because, like, they're very. It's it's such a unique way of directing. It's like art. It really they're, is. They're yeah. genuine art. Yeah, like he's definitely an artor, and we don't really see artors anymore. I'm just butchering the word, but you get everyone listening is gonna know what I'm talking about. But yeah, it, it's just nice to have those directors that have that. They're they're very distinct. Way, styles, styles, yeah. yeah, and his is is one of a kind. Like you just don't. Yeah, and you don't see that come every not, so no, often. Not nowadays, not at all. I mean, like I can't even think of another person that's got their own, their own like blatantly obvious like, style. Everyone knows who directed this. Like the only thing I can like, think of is you could say like Christopher Nolan's movies are grainy or, or uh, dark. Dark. I was. I'm. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of like. Tarantino, kind of. I guess it's like all dialogue and then a super bloody ass finish. But yeah, I mean, but like but that's, that's not that's, a. No, it's. That's not a like. I guess you could say it's not a style. Tarantino it's not is a probably. Style. You probably got 
still hit it on the head is it's probably Tarantino because of his the way that he shoots because you have a lot of like you have that crash zoom which is in like every single one of his movies I think probably and it's like what's his what's his name with his goddamn lens flares that that was a really JJ Abrams yeah everyone would love to comment on JJ Abrams and his lens flares like something they could love they love doing but no Wes Anderson is a little different because it's literally the entire the, the yeah, it's not one or two things. So we yeah. agree that it's not to the scope that Wes Anderson yeah. does it. Yeah. Yeah, so that's... Yeah, Tarantino would definitely... That's the only thing I can think of. This is the only, the only close person I can think of. Like, I would say actually Fincher is probably the only other one, but the only reason why I wouldn't include Fincher right away is because Mankin was done in black and white and wasn't as dark that his usual stuff was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he had kind of a dark tone to him. He had Gone Girl, Zodiac, Social Network, Panic Room. Um, yeah, see, I can't name movies off on directors quite like you can. Well, that's why I named it movies, so that yeah. you can... Because, like, Social Network, Zodiac, they were both kind of dark. So, anyway. Um, uh, yeah, very impressive, by the way. I, so I loved it. This was definitely a recommend. I, I, I'm sure we're going to agree on that. Definitely worth the watch. It was not streaming. It was a limited release for a week, and then it was a major release. A lot of theaters may not show it. I was actually scared because the only place I saw its first week that was showing it, I thought I was going to have to drive all the way to Santa Barbara. I was willing to do it. Oh, yeah. There's some theaters yeah. out there I would like to go to. So that is, that, it, Again, it just kind of... Uh, baffles me that it's not everywhere. Like our main theater did not have it. But, um... Yeah, it is shocking. Yeah, I just think it's because, like, if we're talking about, for those that don't know, uh, here in Camarillo, California, Roxy has all the major films that came out. Last yeah. Duel, which I do say is major. I don't want to hear anyone say otherwise. Venom, your James Bond. Dune, Soho, uh, which so we're actually we're seeing see tonight. tonight. Yeah, and then there's another one I'm missing. Halloween Kills. Yep, that was there. Um, yeah, but not but not French Dispatch. Not French Dispatch, which was confusing because you would think that Roxy would be that theater to do that. Yeah, but instead we had to go to Edwards, which didn't even have the screen fucking formatted correctly. There were parts where the su there were subtitles in some part, and you couldn't read them. And there were some on the side too. Yeah, on the side and at the and bottom I don't know of how the screen. The, the bottom part I get occasionally because someone could knock into the, the fucking projector. Yeah. But the one on the side was inexcusable to me because I. I don't. I don't know. That's why we don't go there. Yeah. So our experience at, at Edwards. Well, I mean, we like it. Let's not throw it out the window. We do like it, but that left a bad taste in our mouths. I mean, with the last two times I've gone to Edwards, the the last time I went. Um, the soda machine was just straight up out of order. And then this time, half of the shit was out of order. And they can't get the, they can't format the screen right. The, yeah, the I had to walk on the, the other stadium, side of the concession stand. The stadium seating is not steep enough. And, um, yeah, it's just problems. Yeah. What the fuck? The only other problem I had was the seats that we got were out of the way. But yet a couple decided to pick like seats, two, two seats away from us. And that always bugs me. Cause, Okay. Little rant. We're in a pandemic. 
like you can't pick a seat farther away. They weren't even all the way to the side of the fucking no. It was aisle. It was the whole. Th there were like maybe a dozen people in that entire theater, and they, no one sat in front of us either. No one sat in front of us, and it was like you have to sit. Cause like I don't mind like the giggling and laughing and all that stuff. That's why the movie was funny. The little talking, like if it's at a, a low tone, I'm absolutely all for. And if it's obnoxious laughing to a certain extent. But like when you're buying seats, and this goes to anyone, I don't care if you're going by yourself, if you're going with family, you're going with friends, you're going with your girlfriend, you're going with your clients for fuck's sakes. If somebody's in a row that you also, or like in the middle or whatever, don't pick two seats away from them to the right or left. It's like a dude I'm going into a bathroom and you're at the urinal and he sits right and he stands right next to you in the entire row. Right, right next to you, or there's a stall, or he keeps a stall between you. Yeah, there's six stalls. Go to the end. Like the the fact that they weren't all the way to the to the right kind of bugged me. I mean, at that point, just go a row back and get the center. Yeah, no one was seated in the. No, seated I don't think was behind us. I always, I, every time we go to these movies, especially late night, I always think like, should I just be a one of those people that gets those like handicap seats? But then I'm like, uh, I'm like the two biggest fears I have are one, handicap person actually needs yeah. like that area, or the it's usually the the seats are for the person with the handicap person, or. There's somebody in front of that row that's got itchy trigger fingers with their phone. And that drives me nuts. I haven't had anyone with the phone in a while, but that's... No, know. but you but know yeah. what? I think I've done a fantastic job of preventing that a lot. We've been going at unorthodox hours, though. We have. This is not typical for us. We no. don't usually do 9.30. We're about to go... Yeah, we're about to go to a 9.45 film. And I'm getting old and I can't do this. I could. I worked all day and I was at school. And I'm starving. Anyway. I'm went, starving, so we, that's probably going to keep me awake. We went way off topic. No, we didn't. We're talking about movies, and that's right. what this whole thing's about. Okay. Um, so that was our review of The French Dispatch. We really did get off topic. We did. I don't think we talked about it for like the last 10 minutes. The last... Yeah. Went to, oh, Jesus. Um, last Dispatch. Definitely go see it. It was definitely worth it. Fantastic film. If you haven't seen his other works, Wes Anderson does a fantastic job. He's definitely our tour. Uh, great, one of the greatest, I think, in my opinion. And it's definitely worth the watch. I think I've already said that. This is not necessarily an IMAX seeing. I don't even think they would even throw it in IMAX theater, to be honest with you. No, this is especially not now, but, but all the stuff that's coming out. But this is definitely a theater. If this came straight to streaming, there's no way on earth I would be okay of just watching this at home. That's, like, Wes yeah. Anderson movies need to be seen in a theater. That is pure art. I would almost argue, of the last couple movies we've seen... I should watch my words carefully. I would say maybe Last Duel. No, no. I think everyone, all of them are theaters. There's not one yeah. I would say. Because the thing, because the thing is not because, it's not like a Doom where there's action scenes and all this and, and special effects and stuff, but because of the way he directs, the way he uses all the space on screen is very, is very precise and specific for reasons. So it, it benefits, it, you get a better, um, I was a word link for, but it, it's if you're it, you to fully appreciate the way he uses the space, you want to see it on the big screen. Yeah, so see it on the big screen. Like Don't be stingy. Else. And as always, if you liked this episode, 
hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube, Twitch. Instagram, uh, at 5050network. That's F-I-F-T-Y-5-0-N-E-T-W-O-R-K. Um, I would find the Instagram. If you have an Instagram, find that. The link in our bio, the Linktree link, has a link to everything else, so it might be easier. I'm just going to push the Instagram because I don't know why I bothered with it. The Twitter, we're falling behind on. We'll do better on that. Um, the next couple weeks will be a little bit stingy because uh, finals are coming up for me. Uh, that doesn't mean we're going to stop doing this. It's just um, there might be a couple of weeks where there's only two episodes or one episode. But that's fine because the I actually think we'll be fine because... I think November's packed too. Ghostbusters, Eternals. Yeah, that's gonna, uh, that stuff's coming around the corner, and then we and then there's a King Miller. Richard. Do we want to see King yeah. Richard? Yeah, I do. The okay. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I want to see that. Um. Okay, so like I said, follow us on at Fifty Fifty Network on all social media. Instagram uh, is the main one that we use. I know we fall behind on that, but thank you for um, staying tuned into the network. Uh, we also have a lot of things planned for the new year. Um, I know we planned on streaming coming back. I will hopefully be in a new place next week where we will have Wi-Fi and I will stream my balls off. And what game I'll play, I don't know. I think I'm going to start playing random shit. But anyway, we'll get to that point. And as always, thank you for for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Tell your friends. Tell your Tell your family. Tell your significant other. Tell your coworkers. Tell your clients. I don't know. Anyway, thank you. Have a great night.